Let's pray once more. Indeed, our God and Father, you are a holy, holy, holy God, which means that your steadfast love to us is holy, holy, holy. It is perfect. It is unending. It is unbreakable. So we say thank you. Thank you that what we just sang is actually true. Thank you. Thank you that you are a shepherd to us that is holy, holy, holy. Only a holy God can do what you do for your people. Only a holy God can keep us till the very end. Only a holy God can meet us with that little bit of grace we need for that little bit of life and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. Only a holy God can be so perfect a shepherd. So we say thank you say thank you, and we, we ask, the, the only thing we can really ask of you then is to say, will you keep being yourself? Will you keep being who you are to us, this good, good, holy, holy shepherd to us? And so I, I pray today that you would make your word clear to us and that your word would be a means by which, this, this moment would be a means by which we get more of you. We experience more deeply your shepherding of us for your glory and our flourishing, for the sake of your name and our joy. So will you please do that now? Will you carry me along? And Holy Spirit, will you please work amongst us now? Please do that which only you can do, our good, good shepherd, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we look once more at Psalm 23. David was a king, but he knew that he was a sheep in need of shepherding, and so he rejoices and he exults that he has a king and a shepherd like Yahweh. Yahweh shepherds David in three ways, and you, you see these if you're, if you're looking at your Bible in the three sections or stanzas of the psalm. Verses 1 through 3 tell of the depth of Yahweh's shepherding of David. He, he goes so far as to restore David's soul. Verse 4 describes the extent of Yahweh's shepherding. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, Yahweh is with him more powerful than any enemy. And lastly, verses 5 and 6 describe the fullness of Yahweh's shepherding, that he loves David steadfastly, and all by grace, all by God's free choice to do it. Therefore, David confidently hopes of returning home to Eden he hopes with optimism, with confidence. And we have seen all along that, that we too can enter into David's privileged place. We can join him in this, this confidence by faith in the greater David, Jesus. But there remains a very practical question here. Just how does Jesus, Yahweh, shepherd us today? Well, he does it by means. He does it by means, by giving us the means of human shepherds. Under him is the great shepherd. Therefore, I want, to, I want us to see today the implications of Psalm 23 for our own shepherds here at Grace Church and all of us and, and how we relate to them. So 
let's begin by looking and, and taking a, a bigger picture snapshot of shepherding, the concept of shepherding from the whole Bible. From the very beginning, God has used the means of people, human people, to fulfill his will. Like a proud father, God was very pleased to have Adam reign over the earth for him as his vice king over creation, having dominion and fruitly filling up the earth. Moses then serves as a shepherd of God's people, as a shepherd of the flock with, with a group of elders serving with him, Exodus 4, 29. And this shepherding metaphor, it carries forward to Israel's kings. God called David, as you know, from literally shepherding sheep in the field to be king. But not only this king, but, but all of the spiritual elite and all of the kings were, were meant to be the shepherds of Israel, modeling themselves after their great shepherd, Yahweh. It's always been the case. The, the model has always been Yahweh as shepherd, and then he appoints, all by his grace, all by mercy, men to shepherd his people on his behalf. But throughout Israel's history, the shepherds failed. The shepherds failed. It, it, Ezekiel 34 puts it most sharply, and um, though it'll take some time, I, I believe it is worth reading in full. Ezekiel uh, 34, and, and note the pronouns here. Note the pronouns. This is where Israel ended up. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones and you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts, i.e. the surrounding nations. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. You hear the language of Psalm 23 here. 
I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek out the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. David's long dead. Who's, who's his servant David? And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them, uh, make them in the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase. And they shall be secure in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They shall no more be prey to the nations, nor shall the beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they, they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I I am the Lord their God with them, with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. I think you noticed the pronouns. <laughs> God himself did come, David did come by means of a man in the man, Jesus, the greater David. Where all Israel failed, Jesus succeeded, living a perfect life, and then he died for the sins of God's people, even the failed shepherds, and then he was raised from the dead so that God's people can stand before God, secure, righteous, okay. Then Jesus ascended on high, and here's where things get really interesting. Really interesting. God, God leaves nothing to chance, and so God himself came. I will rescue my people, and God did just that in his son, in his son. And when his son ascended on high, here's, here's, this is where things get really interesting. Um, Paul says this, that he took us with him. He, he gathered the captives from the nations to himself, and then Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4, 8, that he ascended, and when he ascended, he took those captives that had been scattered, he took them with him and resurrected them and renewed them and ascended on high with them, with us, and, and planted us at the right hand of the Father, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking. So God, 
God raised us up with him, and whatever God gathers to himself, whatever God takes for himself, God always resurrects from the dead. God always transforms, renews, makes new, makes a blessing, overflowing with goodness. So the result is that all those that God takes to himself, he renews, transforms, resurrects, but he doesn't keep us to himself. He gives us back to the world as blessings. So the, the result is that they, we, become gifts to mankind, especially to the church. Now, these gifts are not the same. There's different gifts. So Paul goes on in Ephesians 4.11 to say that there were the 12 apostles first, and then there were prophets, and then there were evangelists, and then lastly, shepherds and teachers. Shepherds and teachers. The word here for shepherds is interesting. It could mean pastor, which maybe your Bible's footnote says. But the English word pastor is just another word for shepherd. Just another word for shepherd. Um, So if we were to strip away all of our modern preconceptions of what a pastor is, and we were to ask Paul here, what do you mean by the original Greek word that you use here? Do you mean shepherd or pastor? Paul would say, yes. Yes, right, exactly. You're tracking Um, Whatever God, again, whatever God takes to himself, he causes to be reborn, to be renewed, and then he generously hands that person back to the world that he would be generous to the world through that person. God always does this, always, just like he did with Jesus. Um, And for some people, that, that renewal contains a certain set of graces. God gives them a certain set of gifts that enables them to serve as shepherds over God's people. Now, how do we connect the word shepherd with the word elder? After all, we call our shepherds here elders. Well, why is that? Well, for two um, very simple reasons. First, because the early church Um, without taking anyone's vote or having a council or seemingly discussing it at all, decided to continue forward with the very ancient practice of having elders serve as leaders of the church. And wherever Paul went in Acts, it says he appointed elders. Even on the island of Crete, which was full of, you know, Cretans. (laughs) Every every church, uh, Titus was to appoint elders. 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 so we do the same. We're simply following the early church's ancient example. But the two concepts, the concepts of elder and shepherd, they connect and we see that they overlap perfectly, most clearly and poignantly in the life and words of Peter. Peter. In 1 Peter 5, Peter instructs all the elders in all the churches this. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 and 2. As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So the great Peter, the Petra, the, the rock of the church, he's humble here. He's a, he's a fellow elder with every other elder, and he, and he bases his whole ministry on witnessing the sufferings of Christ. And, and there's something here about the sufferings of Christ that mean Elders are shepherds. The primary job of an elder is to shepherd God's people. Well, what about the, the, the uh, sufferings of Christ? Well, 
And I should note here in verse 2, the verb form of shepherd here, the verb shepherd is the verb form of the same word we saw earlier in Ephesians 4 for shepherd. But, okay, so, so what about Peter witnessing the sufferings of Christ relates to this? Well, we must ask ourselves, well, from what vantage point did Peter witness the sufferings of Christ? Where was Peter? He was hiding in the shadows leaving his Lord to suffer and die. He was betraying him in cowardice. And so by the end of the gospel, John, Jesus is risen, and Peter still seems burdened by regret and guilt. But Jesus restores him on that beach, and he instructs him in John 21, verses 15 to 19. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Of course I do. Yes, I do. You know that I do, Lord. Then feed my lambs, tend my sheep, Feed my sheep, follow me. So elders are shepherds. Elders are shepherds under the great shepherd. The great shepherd, Jesus, he owns the flock. He bought it with his life. He bought it with his life. And yet, he delegates this duty of tending to the thing that is most precious to him his own bride, (laughs) he delegates to human men to shepherd the flock. So all elders are to be shepherds who are also pastors. It's, It's the same thing. All three words mean the same role, but the only difference is that some elders, like me, get paid for it. That's, that's 1 Timothy 5.17. And yet all three, elders, shepherds, pastors, they all operate by the same base verb, shepherd, to shepherd, um, to shepherd. And this act of shepherding is how God fulfills that promise that he himself will come and shepherd his people. It is Jesus still doing it through, through human shepherds. And we'll come back to that in a second, but what does it mean to shepherd? What does it mean to shepherd? Um, well, there's four aspects to this verb, shepherding. First, the object of shepherding. P- Peter commands that we shepherd the flock of God that is among us. First Peter 5, verse 2. Not the congregation that we wish or we hope were here, but the people who are here. Just as Yahweh takes David and you and me, with all of our strengths and weaknesses, with all of our past and future sins, all of our hopes and our dreams, all of our insanities and obsessions, God in Christ takes us as we are today. As we are. And so elders are to shepherd the flock of God that is among them as we are today. He takes us as we are and so are are, are we. Now, but God even does this by faith. God even does this by faith. Seeing, God sees us as we are, he takes us as we are, and yet he shepherds us with faith, with a vision of who we will be by his resurrection power. Excuse me. Um, he does it by faith. So we take people as they are, but we do it with optimistic faith in who they will be. Well, secondly, so that's the object of shepherding all y'all, all y'all. Secondly, Peter tells us that the content of shepherding is exercising oversight. Exercising oversight. That is, watching the flock with care 
and precision. But is that it? Do, do we just watch? And the answer is no. Elders are to do something with what we find as we watch. Love is a verb, and so is shepherding. There's no such thing as a shepherd who does not shepherd. God removes those kinds of people, as we just read. So what do we do? What do we do with what we observe? Well, back to Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. Shepherds, on Jesus' behalf, provide rich nourishment for the soul. Shepherds see to it, just as Yahweh did, just as Yahweh saw to it that David's soul was fed continuously, it says, with living waters. So must the biblical shepherd. And when David falls, his good shepherd does not heal him lightly or superficially. Yahweh does not say to David, peace, peace, when there is no peace. He restores David's soul, David says. He restores my soul. He goes down to the deepest parts and he raises me from the dead. He renews me. Thus the shepherd is nothing less than an agent of resurrection. That's what elders are about here. We are agents of resurrection by the power of Yahweh through his son, the risen son, Jesus. And then once restored, the shepherd says to David and the other sheep, go this way, not this way. He leads the sheep down paths of righteousness. Down paths of righteousness. And did you know, by the way, this is not because Yahweh, God, is especially impressed with human piety. God... God's not impressed with that because he already has his own holy, holy, holiness. You know, He doesn't need us. He's not impressed with that. He leads us down paths of righteousness for us, for our sake, because paths of righteousness are the paths of soundness of the soul, of health and of flourishing. He does it in love. He says, not this way, this way, out of love for our good. Um, Thus elders shepherd with both a rod and a staff, with both a carrot and a stick. Elders encourage and they may rebuke. Gently, respectfully as gentlemen, but rebuke all the same. After all, Ecclesiastes 7.5 said that it's better to hear the rebuke of a wise man than the song of fools. Now, I, I hover here on this point because we don't like this, of course. We're Americans. You know, we're autonomous people. We don't like anyone telling us what to do. And yet the silly irony here is that elders exist, even in rebuke, to give you the very things that you're looking for. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what we're all looking for. And elders are the agent of that very thing, of the source of those very things. All of those things are found only in the risen Lord Jesus, and we are his agents saying, here he is. (laughs) Um, Thus, Paul, Paul could describe his whole ministry and that of any shepherd as this. In 2 Corinthians 1.24, that that biblical elders are working alongside you. We say the pursuit of happiness. Paul would say, I am working alongside you for your joy for your joy. Elders are to carefully watch the flock with care in order to understand the actual condition of every soul that is among us. <laughs> Which ain't easy. <laughs> but then on top of that, we, we, we don't do it to be pietistically judgy with people, wagging the finger. 
but to see to it that you know the joy of your salvation. That's what we're after. That's what Jesus calls us to. That you would have a right spirit, as David said, as David prayed in Psalm 51, oh, please renew a right spirit within me, and the elders are Jesus' agents for that very thing. Not to make a name for ourselves, but to enhance the name, the reputation of our chief shepherd, Psalm 23, verse 3. So, that, that, is, the, um, that is the content um, of our shepherding. But thirdly, Psalm 23 gives us the method of our shepherding, the method of shepherding. David says that he will fear no evil, verse 4, because of the presence, the presence of his shepherd. So much so much of shepherding, like Yahweh, means simply being there. Just, just being there. Not necessarily with a perfect word to say. The valley of the shadow of death is a place of very few words. Suffering people can only hear single-digit sentences. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> That's actually a good, as a side note, uh, when you're with a suffering person, like literally try to say sentences that have a single-digit number of words. <laughs> um, but when elders meet with people, when, when elders come into the presence of other people, we bring Jesus with us. And through the under-shepherd, the chief shepherd says to suffering people, my, my dear daughter, my dear son, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look past the darkness with faith Trust in me. I am with you. I am with you. But lastly, we see the goal of shepherding. The goal of shepherding, Psalm 23, verses 5 and 6, to ensure that every soul that is among us makes it home. In John 10, 28, Jesus says that not one of his sheep will be snatched from his hand. God himself came God himself came to gather his sheep and not one will be lost from his hand. And of all the supernatural things Jesus does in this world, he uses fallen, fallible human men to see to it that that happens. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. He supernaturally uses elders to fulfill that promise. So then we administer the table of communion that Yahweh sets for us in the presence of our enemies. We teach. We teach in order to keep the main thing, the main thing with you. Thus, uh, we, we teach in order to constantly communicate, oh, the, the goodness and the steadfast love of you, my friend. Even though, yes, you're, you're struggling with sin right now, but, but I still see the sparks of God's flame within you. I still see it. Let, let's take another step. Let's keep going. Oh, and you're suffering. I, I know you feel like giving up. Oh, but, but let's take one more step. One more step. He's not done with you. Um, we want to see every sheep come home. We do this right up until the moment when your faith becomes sight, and we make that great handoff to the chief shepherd. For your joy. And for the joy set before us, Peter goes on to say that if we are faithful in this task, we elders, that you will return home to glories beyond measure. 
the greatest prophet that any human being could ever experience, the only prophet that any human being will experience for eternity, you will experience that if elders are simply faithful, not perfect, but faithful. And if they are faithful, the elders too, 1 Peter 5 verse 4, will receive a crown of glory, a crown of glory from our Lord. What does faithfulness mean? Faithfulness means discharging our duties, 1 Peter 5, verses um, 2 and 3. Willingly, generously, not domineeringly, not bossing people around, but by the quiet power of a good example to the flock. Okay, so some practical points here, some, some practical takeaways about all of this. Does this seem like a lot to you? <laughs> Does this seem like a big job? It does to me. <laughs> it, it feels weighty, you know? It feels weighty. Um, and it feels weighty because all sheep are different. All people are different with, with different sets of qualities, troubles, gifts. Everybody's different. Um, and so he, here are three practical steps that we must all take in this or in any church that you should be in in the future. Um, the first one is this. We must relate to each other by faith. We must relate to each other by faith. This is so basic and yet so uncommon. So uncommon. Elders and shepherds, as we have said, must see the sheep as they are today accurately. We must watch with the eyes of the Bible. And yet that, that, watch, that careful watchfulness and that, those observations must be met with faith. Elders work hard among the flock, but they are to work hard with an optimism fed by an image of, of who and what that God is growing that other person to be. Both are necessary, an accurate appraisal of today, but a confident optimism about tomorrow for each and every sheep. A confident optimism that God is at work with the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. God is at work here. But that takes faith. That takes faith. Um, but in the same way, it's the responsibility of sheep to relate to their own shepherds with faith. Because we shepherds, um, we're all learning about this car as we drive down the road. You know, we're, we're learning as we go. And, and in the future, you know, you, you may get a call from an elder, and, and his call is to inquire about the condition of your soul. You know, and he's not going to do it right. It's going to be, you know as awkward as when you pinned that corsage on your first prom night, you know. It's just, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be weird. It's not going to come out right. Um, but, but take him as he comes to. Take him as he comes, as he takes you as, you, as you come. Take him as he comes with grace and faith, because his job is your joy. His job is your joy, after all. And, and God, the, the eyes of faith recognize that God loves to hide his supernatural power in humble, imperfect, awkward packages. <laughs> Does it all the time. He gets more glory that way. So that's the first. Relate to each other with faith, with optimistic, gracious faith. Number two, relate to each other to your own advantage. Relate to each other to your own advantage. Now, this may seem non-Christian, but it's, it's actually very, 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 very biblical. The writer of Hebrews, which I think is Paul, writes this. 
in the end of Hebrews, Hebrews 13, verse 17, he says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. <laughs> so politically incorrect. <laughs> Obey your leaders and submit to them. And we don't like this again because we're, we're modern Americans or we're feminists or we're Gautarians or whatever, and we don't, we don't submit to anybody. Um, but, but read the rest of the sentence. The writer says, For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. One day, Jesus will uh, require us to give an account for how we shepherded your soul. <laughs> so, that's a big deal. It's a big responsibility. Um, so then he goes on to say, Therefore, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Why? Because if they have to do their job with groaning, that would be of no advantage to you. So he's basically saying, do that which would be to your eternal advantage. Get the greatest advantage you can out of the elders that God has given you. <laughs> um, and the way you do that is ensuring that their work, and, the, and it, it is work, that their work is a joy and not filled with groaning. Okay, um, so what does that mean? It, it means to let them pursue their work unburdened by other things. Other things. Most importantly, um, don't be the sheep that insanely bucks their goal by disobedience and by, by bucking under their oversight. It, it doesn't mean you never ask questions. It doesn't mean you, that there's no room for a respectful disagreement or for respectful questioning about why did you decide this, or what are you thinking about this, or what were you thinking when this went totally right? You know, of course. And the, the elders are meant to be humble men who take their own rebukes. Um, so that, it's not saying that, but it's saying that those who buck under the oversight, that that is the quickest way to cause elders to groan because they love you, because they want your greatest advantage. And your greatest advantage is to live under their oversight and to receive it. Um, nothing makes a biblical shepherd with the heart of Yahweh groan faster than to see a sheep say, sorry, I love my autonomy more than my own joy. And so I'm going to go my own way. Y'all are power-hungry cultists, and I know better. You know? Oh, that, that, makes, a, that makes a biblical elder who's, who's prayed for you, who's, who's searched the scriptures for you, who's prayed for you by name, Who's, who's, who's asked God, God, teach me how to pray for this person. Give me wisdom in how to lead them to you and to have someone buck under that care and that love. Oh, that's, that's the quickest way to cause groaning. Because we love you. And it makes us groan because um, this is the great problem of our age. Uh, G.K. Chesterton once said that our, the greatest problem of our age is not that we're evil. The greatest problem of our age is that we're very virtuous, full of virtues, full of, full of qualities that we want to be good, but we want to exercise our virtues autonomously, disconnected from God. And when you do that, then your virtues become bad. Um, you see this all over our day. We want to be kind to women, so we, we kill women in the womb. We want to be tolerant, so we endure men exposing themselves to children. We want to be compassionate to teens, and so we mutilate their bodies. That's, 
virtues that have been disconnected from God and go bad. But the shepherd, the shepherd instead stands here and offers the way back to sanity, the blood and the body and the life of the Lord Jesus. Only through him do our virtues actually become good things, actually become virtuous. And the shepherd says, let me show you the way. Let let me feed you his bread and his wine. Let me feed you his body and his blood. Let let me set before you the the rich table, the, the rich feast that he has prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. Let me feed you. Let me lead you. Let me lead you to him. So don't buck and do not pile on. Do not pile on. Notice here that I've not mentioned yet, I've gotten this far in the sermon, and I have not mentioned any of the other responsibilities um, delegated or delineated to elders in our church constitution. I haven't even touched that yet. Our constitution for our church is very, actually very good. It's, it's better than most. But there's a thread that runs through the whole thing, and you could summarize our whole constitution as, the elders will do that. <laughs> That's basically our whole constitution. The elders will do that. Um, Which, because the elders are men who want to be faithful, they do that too, which makes them groan. They do all the things that, they try to do all the things that I've already said, and those other things, and that also, I've, I've observed, makes them groan, sometimes literally. And when that happens, then the elders become less useful to you. Less useful to you. So then, very practically, um, don't call an elder for someone's phone number. <laughs> don't, don't call an elder for someone's phone number. Consult the directory or the email newsletter or the app or send the Sunday handout or someone in your small group or your email inbox or a friend. D- do not pile on and say, well, the elders can do that. Because the elders probably can do that because they're, they're men with servants' hearts after all. But the question is, if they do this, will they be more or less useful to me to the deepest needs of my soul? That's the question we all need to be asking. Um, so, so do not make them groan. Do not pile on. Um, but lastly, number three, consult with the elders for wisdom in your conflicts and your decisions. Consult with the elders for wisdom in your conflicts and your decisions. Um, For instance, are you thinking of moving out of state? Like 40% of the population, according to one study. Um, Consult with them. Consult with them for wisdom. The wisdom of whether to do so, if the answer is yes, then how? Uh, The answer is, is we figure that out, maybe when? When is the right time to move? Um, Do you have a church you're going to next? How to find a new church? Um, we, if you are moving out of state, we, we don't have an opinion about that one way or the other in principle. We want to listen to you. We want to give whatever wisdom the Lord would have for us. Um, and we want to make a good handoff if you do move. Um, questions of parenting. Questions of parenting. Um, these are massive, massively important questions. Do I put my child in public school? Do I put my child in a private Christian school? Do I homeschool? Um, how do I do this? Uh, my, my wife and I, I, I think this, she thinks this. We're, we're both right. You know, we're, we're both right. Neither one of us is wrong. But elders, can you help us? 
have the conversation we need to have and sort through our conversation. We, we don't want you to tell us what to do, but can you help us sort this through and maybe give us some tidbits of wisdom to help us come to a conclusion? Of course. This is what elders are for, to help you through such decisions. Um, do, I, do I have a conflict with someone else? Instead of letting it fester, bring it to the elders. And again, in a very similar fashion. And the elders can help you have the hard conversation and maybe give you insights into what are the real issues here in this conflict? Can we actually grow from this? Is, is God's point here not the end of the conflict, but having the conflict in the first place? Is, is that maybe what God is doing here? Um, do, you have, do you have questions about about parenting itself? Do you have concerns about um, wh wh whether the wife should stop working or continue working? Do, do, do you have questions about um, a, a business decision and, and whether or not to enter into a partnership with this person or that person? These are the questions of life that the elders want to be available to you for. A, a, <clears throat> a normal New Testament church operates this way. This is what I'm describing to you. It may feel new to you, but this is normal for Christ's body, for the elders to serve in this way. Do not miss out on the, the wisdom that God would flow to you to continue shepherding you through some of the rougher waters of life um, by neglecting to consult the elders when you need wisdom and insight and help. But most of all, when you face your own dark valley, James instructs us, let the elders come and pray over you. Let the elders come and pray over you. The prayers of righteous men availeth much, James says. Not perfect men, not perfect men. Above average men, <laughs> above average men. But who've been placed in this role by God, the, the elders who are here, God has seen fit to appoint and match these elders with you to keep you and to carry you home. He is still very much here. He's still very much alive. He's still very much working in power amongst us. Um, and he is still answering our prayers, but sometimes Sometimes we need the faith of others to pray for us. Uh, this week, Dan took the, the teen guys up to uh, Shasta to go fishing. And uh, one of the fellas, at, uh, by the end of the second day and the end of our fishing, had not caught a thing yet. And, um, and I, I'm not joking. I, I kid you not here. We, we prayed. And 45 seconds later... <laughs> I hear Dan say, bring it in, Rowan, bring it in. <laughs> it, was a, it was a perfect picture of, of the shepherding of, of this Yahweh because we prayed, will you give Rowan a fish? So Rowan brings in one fish, takes it off, casts out again, and then I hear again, bring it in, Rowan. <laughs> takes off the fish, casts out again, and then I hear again, Bring it in, Rowan. <laughs> we prayed for one fish. Jesus said, I, I, I own all the fish. I, I was just waiting for you to ask. No. You, you ask for one, I'll give you three. They're right here. I know everyone. 
This is what the elders are for, to, to bring us to these moments when, when, when you've been understandably, rightly, humanely, humanly speaking, stuck in your, the dark night of your soul, and, and you come, whatever the source is, maybe it's your own sin, maybe it's the troubles in relationships, maybe it's the troubles in, in health, or you are literally facing death itself, whatever it is, and, and you, you can't even pray. It's okay. Come to your brothers, and we will pray for you. And you will encounter Jesus. You will encounter the Jesus who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. I love you with an everlasting, steadfast, unchanging love. I don't care what you did last night. I want you to come to me. I don't care what you still smell like because of what you did, literally or figuratively. Come to me. Come to me because I am your shepherd and I know the way through this. But it will require faith. It will require faith. So I use these, these fallen men. You know you know them as Danny Boy and Jimmy and, you know. But, I, but th that's where I hide my grace. That's where I hide my supernatural power. I love to do it that way because then I get more glory that way. So come. Come and and. Relate to your elders the, the way the Bible says so. An elder shepherd the flock of God that is among you. I place myself here. The, the last thing I will say is, will, will you please pray for us? Will you please pray for the shepherds that are here? Pray for us by name, please. I, I can't tell you how sweet it was just before church. A, a brother came to me and said, I was praying for you before I went to sleep last night. I can't tell you how thankful I was to hear that, how sweet it was, because we're all a work in progress. I need, I need to grow in certain areas. We, we all need to grow. We all need to get better, more in line with what the Bible instructs us to be. We, we never want to fall into the place that Ezekiel 34 describes. At the end, we want to hear, well done and good, good and faithful servant. Here's your crown. Here's your crown. That's what we want to hear. So, so pray for us as we pray for you by name, and we do. We pray for every person, every child in your family. As we pray for you, please pray for us, because that would be, as God pours out grace on us, in answer to your prayers, that would be to your greatest advantage. You'll get more of Jesus. He's been the point all along, the good shepherd. So to that end, let's pray. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, I thank you for how you have set things up. You have set things up in marvelous and surprising ways, surprising at least to us. I thank you. I thank you. My mind goes across my past and I think about the elders that have come before that you have lavished, you have poured out your grace to me through shepherds. Names like Mark, Bob, Dan, Charlie, Jim. Many names come to my mind over the years. It's all your grace. I don't deserve a whit of it, and yet you did it anyway. Thank you. Thank you. So I pray that you would do that yet still more here among us. Take us, we, we were very imperfect, very cracked vessels. Take us, 
take the elders, take this congregation, and in our relationships with each other, please do what you do. Please do one plus one equals 2,000. Thank you. Please do that. Do that in such a way that, that everybody, everybody looks in and everybody looking out says, God did this. God did something supernatural here with just ordinary human vessels. We ask for a miracle, and I'm thankful that you're the God that says, I'll do five or six. Thank you. Thank you for the confidence as we look forward to the future. Thank you for the confidence that we can have that you are there, that you are with us, that you're overflowing with blessing to your people. Cause us to be a blessing to each other and to this world, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. But receive the benediction. Christian, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil, and your cup does overflow. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go happy about that. <laughs> Go confident in that. Go resting in that. Amen, you, you privileged people. Amen.